Signore, signori, welcome to the fifth and final episode of the Many Meanings of Mina podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Howarth. Over the past four episodes, we've looked at how Mina's career developed during the 1950s, 60s and 70s, and we've explored all the different elements that have made her that iconic figure and popular star that she is today. We've looked at some of her most famous songs, her most well-loved television appearances, her career as a film star, and her work advertising Italian beer, Barilla Pasta, and Tassoni Soda. All of these things gave Italians access to our star and helped to cement her status and her popularity. We've been celebrating Mina's 60-year-long career and have arrived at 1978, Now, this is an important moment in Mina's career as she withdrew from public performances and media interviews. But since that point, she's remained as popular and well-loved as ever. So in this episode, we're going to explore quite how that happened. We'll look at some of the instances in which Mina has returned despite not performing live or on television. Now, one thing to think about in all this discussion about how absent Mina has been since 1978 is that, well, actually, how present has she been in the lives of most of her fans? Yes, they could read about her in magazines, listen to her songs on vinyl or on the radio, and watch her performances on television, but arguably none of that has really changed since 1978. And it would only have been a very select few who managed to go to her concerts during the 50s, 60s and 70s and who could enjoy her physical presence, if at a distance. She has perhaps always been an absent yet present star. Yes, I know that what fans long for is seeing new performances in a concert hall or on television. I'm one of those. But since 78, they have had to make do with how most fans have always accessed Mina, through album and single releases. And those have been prolific. Between 1979 and 2003, Mina released at least one new studio album every year. And during the 1980s, she was releasing two-volume albums. And while she hasn't released as much during the 2000s and the 2010s, she still manages every couple of years on average to release an album, and more recently, collaborations with other popular artists. And all of these albums have been met with fanfare in the media and with success on the album charts. Take Maiba, for example. This solo album was released in 2018 and featured new songs and covers. It was released in the March that year and by June had reached the number one spot in the album charts and achieved gold disc status, having sold 25,000 copies in Italy. The collaborations, first with Adriano Celentano that produced the album Le Migliori, released in 2016, and then with Ivano Fossati that produced the album Mina Fossati, released in 2019, did extremely well on the album charts in Italy. 
The Celentano collaboration in particular became the most popular album of that year in terms of sales. And that really testifies to the ongoing popularity of both of the singers. The first song from the album, Amami Amami, was released as a single prior to the album's release and achieved gold list status again, selling more than 25,000 copies in Italy. The song is a sort of mix of dance and tango rhythms, really, and was written by an Israeli songwriter. The video was shot in Venice Beach, but as is perhaps to be expected, it doesn't feature either singer. Rather, we have snapshots of both of them appearing on mobile phone screens and as street art. Here's a clip of that song. Amma mia, amma mia, indifferentemente sì, senza ragione né pietà, semplicemente così. E se non ti avessi amato mai, ora chissà dove sarei. Tra chi rinuncia, chi ti abbraccia e chi non capisce come sei. What's clear is how diverse Mina's musical style is and has always been, actually. On Maiba, for example, we have slow ballads, love songs and jazz, alongside some rock and roll and even covers of Elvis Presley's Heartbreak Hotel and George Michael's Last Christmas. But this diversity has, I think, always been present all the way through her career. Remember, she transitioned from Urlo, or Italian rock and roll, to that more traditional canzone all'italiana with its ballads and its arcing melodies. But she kept some of the rhythms and modernity of performance and delivery of Urlo in her songs, making them at times a mixture of both genres. And she's worked with a wide range of different songwriters and musicians during her career, meaning that she's sung all types of songs and embraced lots of different musical styles. But one thing we haven't talked about is how Mina looks. How she is presented to fans on album and single covers, for example, in a way that gives them some kind of access to her physical presence, even if that is only through photographs or paintings. Now, her album covers give a really nice representation of how diverse Mina's career has been. Her early releases show her as that urlatrice with short hair, fashionable blue jeans and modern poses, all reflecting the modern rock and roll songs those albums contained. Covers from 1960 onwards show the transition to Cantante all'Italiana with demure dresses, a fashionable bouffant hairstyle and a technicolor grin as Mina assumes more conservative poses for the camera. In 1964, Mina would leave Italdisc to sign for Rifi and she would stay with that label until 68. The covers that the company launched tended to make use of shots of Mina performing on television or in Caroselli for Barilla Pasta, thus making links for the audience between Mina's status as a star on screen and that of a pop singer and pop star. 
Now, this link gives me a perfect excuse to play you one of my favourite songs from this period. That's after Se Telefonando, of course. Se c'è una cosa che mi fa impazzire. And if you haven't seen the carosello with this song, have a look for it online. It involves some wonderful editing and splicing together of Mina performing her routine in different dresses, but nailing it down to a T both times she must have performed it because everything is in sync in the final video. Here's the song. Se c'è una cosa che mi fa impazzire From 1968, Mina was releasing albums and singles under her own label, PDU, which would develop its own strategy for depicting the star on album covers during the 1970s in particular. It's in that decade that we start to see her as more than Mina the star. She is Mina the artist. A mixture of apparently candid photographs drawings and artwork depict Mina looking relaxed in her work and seemingly not performing. It's as if Mina is now iconic enough that the label doesn't need to make references to the other places that we might have seen Mina. Her name is enough to sell her records. And this would become even more important from 1978. In the 40 years since Mina's withdrawal, her depiction on album covers has been, well, <laughs> eclectic, to say the least. She's been a bald-headed blind performer, a well-muscled man, Marie Antoinette, the Mona Lisa, Julius Caesar, a Disney duck, and even an alien. And more about the alien in a moment. Suffice to say that she has been inconsistently represented but she remains recognisable because all these incarnations feature physical characteristics that have practically become Mina's trademarks. Heavy eye makeup, a lack of eyebrows, beauty spots and a long plait. The playing with her image brings another aspect of modernity to Mina's significance. She never appears how we might expect. Rather, she shocks, scandalises and astonishes us in a way that highlights her desire to play with expectations, be innovative and experiment. And we know this is Mina because of how iconic she has become and how well known those physical trademarks are. Then, when you listen to her songs, your ability to recognise Mina correctly is confirmed because her voice is equally recognisable. Let me illustrate this by sharing her cover of Grease from 1986, and I think you'll hear what I mean.
Now, I promised more about that alien. Well, that is actually one of the ways that Mina has returned in the 2010s, I kid you not. In 2017, Mina lent her voice to Tim, the Italian telecommunications and mobile phone giant and sponsor of the Sanremo Festival. She provided the soundtrack for a series of adverts for Tim that aired precisely during the festival that year. In those advertisements, we don't see Mina. We just hear her as she briefly chats to JSM, just some motion, the dancer whose routine we watch in each advert as Mina sings all night. But in 2018, Mina would, well, return, in inverted commas, to the Tim adverts, this time with a body, even if it wasn't what anyone was actually expecting. Now, this set of adverts went out each night during the festival, with Mina providing the voice to an alien who visits Earth and hunts down the source of music that she's heard to dance to. Of course, that source is San Remo. The alien is the same as that which appeared on the album cover of Piccolino in 2011. White skin and elongated head, but both clearly belong to Mina thanks to those visual cues of the dark eye makeup and the beauty spots. And the alien in the adverts also has Mina's voice, of course, which we hear as the character converses with the computer on the spaceship as they search for the source of this music that they've heard. On the first evening of adverts, the alien discovers the music and decides to visit Saremo. During the week, the alien downloads videos to listen to music and learn how to dance, but the horrible truth is that no one is singing. Well, no problem, the alien will sing. JSM is beamed aboard the spaceship to teach the robot backing dancers how to dance, and finally, the fourth night of the festival, they arrive over Italy only to apparently land in Piazza Navona in Rome and not the Ariston stage in San Remo. So it is on the fifth and final night that the spaceship arrives in San Remo, and we see Mina once again on the San Remo stage, if in holographic form as an all-white alien figure, as she performs Another Day of Sun. Here she is. But he was sweet and it was true Delighted what I had to do Cause I just knew Summer, Sunday nights We'd sink into our seats Right at the dim all the lights The technical equipment Out of music and machine He called me to be on that screen And leave inside it seen Cause maybe in that sleepy town He'll sit one day the lights are down He'll see my face and think of how
Tim, 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 la connessione che ci unisce. Just to say, as you can probably imagine, the media and social media erupted with shouts for Mina to win Sanremo that year and with invitations for her to come and perform in person. But the press did note that whilst Mina had returned to Sanremo, she had done it in pure Mina fashion, by just singing. And her iconic status is such that everyone got excited about that return all the same. Mina's words have also returned to fans through her activities as a newspaper and magazine columnist. Between 1998 and 2000, Mina had a column with the newspaper Liberal. And between 2000 and 2011, she regularly wrote articles for La Stampa newspaper. Then from 2003 to 2015, she had a weekly column for Vanity Fair Italia. The pieces of writing published are either observations on different themes or responses to fan letters on topics that aren't necessarily linked to music. In the weekly column published in Vanity Fair, the majority of pieces are fan letters that get published alongside Mina's responses. She covers topics such as relationship advice, tips on how to become a successful singer, comments on current affairs and politics, and there are even arguments over previously given advice. There are also direct questions to Mina about her life, her plans for future albums, and whether she might perform live or on television in the future. Many fans also take the opportunity to compliment Mina on different aspects of her success and to pay homage to her as a star. And the tone that the letters adopt is usually very informal, with fans addressing Mina as if she is a long-term close friend. When Mina writes back, she is nearly always as informal and often sends hugs and love to her readers in a way that reveals a level of care for and interest in her fans. This return on the page allows fans to maintain a different kind of connection with the star, one that is more intimate and apparently reveals much about Mina's real life. The thing is, Whilst Mina's fans have been able to read her words, opinions and advice and listen to her voice through the release of new songs and albums as well as television advertisements, they have had little opportunity to see their star. Very few paparazzi photographs of Mina are in circulation, meaning that fans are not able to see Mina. Like we've said, even the images of the star reproduced on album covers since her retirement from public performances have played with, parodied and distorted the visual representation of the star, meaning it's hard to know what the real star actually looks like. So the publication on Instagram in October 2019 of a candid photo of Mina at home was a real story. The photograph was shared by Benedetta, Mina's daughter, and shows Mina and Benedetta's fiancé watching television together. The shot is taken from behind the sofa, so we don't see Mina's face, but her long trademark plait is visible, and Benedetta also tells us that it's her mum in the photo. 
the post went viral, as you can imagine. And there were even online newspaper and magazine articles about the post that reproduced the photograph and added some commentary. The photo offered an apparent glimpse into Mina's ordinary home life, letting us see another side of our star. And the responses on Instagram give us an insight into what Mina means for her fans, as they ask Benedetta to persuade her mother to return to television, to continue to post these types of gifts for the fans, and to give Mina a hug and to pass on their love. Messages also reaffirmed Mina's status as an unattainable myth, fascinating, outside-of-time, timeless icon of Italian music. And one fan said... She was my dream as a little girl and my inspiration and role model as an adult. Fans took the opportunity also to thank Benedetta for posting the photograph, with one saying, everyone has their mum in the living room and you've got Mina, the Italian singer par excellence. Thank you for this glimpse into your private life together. Fans also expressed their desire to be close to Mina, sitting on the sofa next to her, sharing this intimate and domestic experience of watching television together. They long for her physical presence and a more intimate connection with that much-loved icon and star. Now, Mina celebrated her 80th birthday on the 25th of March 2020, and whilst she remained absent from the stage and small screen, she was nevertheless present in a variety of commemorative television programmes that were broadcast in her honour and which sought to explain and celebrate her enduring success. Most of these were shows that made use of archival material and clips of Mina performing as a way of chronicling her popularity and celebrating her status as that much-loved star. Now, on these programmes, she is declared to be a cultured and popular myth, part of Italian popular cultural heritage. She is classic, modern and universal and part of our, so Italian, DNA. And the clips show the trajectory of Mina's journey to superstardom, which we have retraced in this podcast. By showcasing the journey, though, these programmes venerate it even, and of course, the star that it produced. The audience was able to relive the moments that made Mina who she has become and pay homage to her in a way that reaffirms her iconic, now mythical, status. One show that is a bit different is Una Storia da Cantare, which was a tribute concert that featured invited guest singers performing some of Mina's best-known songs. Here, old feelings about and memories of the star get evoked through the tribute performances by guest singer surrogates, and the audience was able to make new feelings and memories of Mina as they reacted to these performances. Now, that was visible through the social media response, which is very interesting to say the least. Fans were rating the performances against the original and judging how much or little the singers managed to capture Mina's style, delivery and emotive power. Now, all of this is only possible thanks to Mina's physical absence from the show. To do that judging, viewers had to rely on what they knew about Mina. 
And so they were creating new meanings of the star in terms of her place in the hierarchy of Italian singers, as they found these surrogate singers to be not as good as the original. I'll let you judge for yourself. Here is one of the hosts, Bianca Guacero, singing L'Importante è Finire. porta poi si butta sul letto e poi e poi ad un tratto io sento afferrarmi le mani le mie gambe tremare e poi e poi e poi e poi So what does Mina mean today? Well, that's actually a hard question to answer, despite having taken five episodes of a podcast exploring all of her different significances. And I think it's hard to answer precisely because she has so many significances to so many different people. She is a modern but traditional star, an example of a new way of being a woman in 1960s Italy while still embracing family values and an artist and a diva who likes to shock and astonish her fans. And these fans see her as part of Italian cultural heritage, part of their DNA, and they are rightly proud of her and everything that she represents. She is paradoxical, really, and perhaps because she can mean so many things to so many people all at once, this starts to explain how she has remained popular today. But if we think about Mina against the cultural and social backdrop of Italy since 1945, I wonder if there's a bit more we can say. Now, this has been a period of profound cultural and social change in Italy. And in fact, Italian society of the 20th and 21st centuries is characterised as one of division, dualism, crisis and contradictions. As historian John Foote has argued, in post-war Italy, what prevails is a sense of crisis and transformation and the ebb and flow of emergencies where moments of deep crisis are broken up by periods of relative calm and even hope. Since 1945, Italian culture and society have been marked by profound social change, cultural transformation and modernisation and the resistance to tradition, resulting in a prevailing sense of anxiety and crisis at the consistent inconsistency and contradictions that constitute the Italian cultural experience. Reading the many meanings of Mina against this cultural backdrop, we can begin to identify the star as synonymous of this Italian cultural experience since 1945. Similar to the society from which she comes, 
Mina also signifies social change, transformation, modernization and resistance, embodying contradictions of meaning that resonate with the social and cultural landscape of Italy in the 20th and 21st centuries. She is then the epitome of the ideals, ideologies and values at work in Italian society, which reveals similar contradictions about ways of behaving and being Italian, as well as gender norms and the role of the family. Perhaps this is why, in the words of Mina's website, in the Italian collective imagination, Mina is a national treasure to be proud of and jealously guarded. Mina represents the journey that Italy itself has been on in the post-war period. She is now as much Italy's national star as she ever was, acting as a cultural symbol and conduit for ideas about being Italian and all that that has entailed from 1945 to the present. I'm Rachel Howarth. Thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.